Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lead DevRel podcast, where we bring the latest news and discussions on DevRel and tech. Today, we have a very special guest together with us. We have Gabs Ferreira. Really pleased and really excited to have you here. We're going to be diving deep into his background, his expertise in DevRel, and also learning a little bit more on how to be a DevRel, especially as a person coming from Brazil and acting in so many big communities around Brazil. As you know, I'm Dani Passos, founder and DevRel leader at Lead DevRel. And together with me, I have Sabrina. Sabrina, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much, Dani. Looking forward to today's episode. Um, and super excited to have Gabs here with us. So, um, Gabs, why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about you, who you are, and how you got into DevRel in the first place? Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm originally from a small city in the countryside of the Sao Paulo state called Macatuba, a city that I never lived, but I was born there because my um, grandmother was a nurse there and she um, worked with, um, how do you say, I forgot the word for partos. She was a partera. <laughs> okay. Um, so she, she gave birth. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, she did not give birth. I think so she helped she people helped, to get she birth. She people to give birth. <laughs> to give, I mean, yeah. she gave birth to gods. I mean, that, yeah, that's a fair, sta did, still yeah, a fair yeah, statement. Still a fair statement. Still a fair statement. True, yeah. true. <laughs> so anyway, I lived in the countryside most of my childhood. And uh, when it was time to choose a profession, I chose to be a developer. I'm very much inspired by my father that was a developer as well and had a tech company. I still have that company nowadays. And I worked as a developer from 2007 to 2014 when I switched jobs to be an instructor slash content creator slash many multiple other uh, uh, roles I, I, I got over eight years that I stayed in this company uh, when I changed. Um, for some time, I didn't know exactly I was doing DevRel, to be honest. I knew that my job had an intersection with marketing, software development, um, content creation, community organizing, but I wasn't sure what it was. Uh, uh, I was lead of a marketing team for a while, and I thought that I was going to be marketer um, that marketing was what I was doing and kind of was but eventually when I found out about DevRel and this whole universe I realized that that was the work that I was doing and and from that point I started you know looking forward um, trying to learn more I could about DevRel and this kind of work and Nowadays, I'm working in my own personal projects for about six months after leaving this company that I told you um, called Alura. Um, I worked for a Estonian-based uh, startup that had a data-based product. I worked there for year, an year and a half, approximately, and then I left in June 2023. As I said, working on my projects right now, but I'm going to start a position as a developer advocating another educational company here in Brazil pretty soon. I have a question for you. And sure. I know you started your career as a developer. Your father was a developer as well. And I know from all the conversations we had that you have a very communicative 
and very outgoing personality. Were you always like that? Or did you also have like that little phase as a developer where you were shy and didn't really communicate well with other people? And after like having to, to dive into the educational world, then you had to, to start communicating and being outgoing. Did you have like any obstacles with that in terms of communications or was that like uh, easy as a breeze to you? Well, before talking about um, communication, I think I can I can talk about a little bit about about my time as a developer. Um, as I said, I, I became a developer very much influenced by by my father. Before even start working as a developer, I was already uh, participating in community discussions, forums, and and so on. This was around twenty two thousand and six, I guess, and. Uh, I, I was not a developer, but I knew almost everything about the the world and everything that was was happening in the in the space. And um, I really wanted to be a great developer and and work in big companies and became and become a, a really good professional. But uh, once I started, I had a hard time being a developer. And for this seven years that I worked in, in the space. A lot of times I had doubts if that was what I wanted. I, I got very frustrated working as a developer because something was wrong, you know, something was not right. I, I, I remember enjoying a lot being part of communities, being part of, of reading discussions and, and, and talking to people and answering people on Stack Overflow and reading questions and this kind of stuff. But that at the time was not a job for me i didn't saw this like something that i could do you know in my in my full time and and then when i um stopped uh, uh being a developer on a daily on a daily basis and got this job as an instructor in a in a programming school uh it was like a, a big change for me it was like awesome it was um something that Suddenly, the work made a lot of more sense. Uh, I had joy teaching and and talking to people and and learning. And um, you you asked about being an, an outgoing person, somehow I don't know an extrovert, but I consider myself to be an introvert. Um, I learned how to speak in public and how to be in front of an audience during my time as an instructor. It was very uncomfortable in the beginning. Um, my first class, I had a lot of fear of what people would think, of questions they would make, and and it was pretty bad. People complained about me, and I, I, I had to be replaced by, by another instructor at the time. But later, I I got in other classes, and I, and I learned uh, more and, and got more confident and I teach for around two years I guess uh, full-time as an instructor traveled to a lot of places in Brazil taught people from a lot of different states even people from from Africa from Angola and Mozambique that uh, at the time they came to Brazil to have classes at this, this school I don't know how it is nowadays but at the time they, they didn't have many schools teaching programming there so that's why they, they came here and uh, it was awesome. So I, I learned how to be uh, a communicator and how to be this person. And nowadays, it's like easier for me to be in front of an audience, talking to people and, and, and teaching or 
even a lecture or something like that, than to meet with people that I don't know in a small group and having to chat with them without knowing them. Uh, it's easier for me to be here right now than to do things that for other people are, are, are easier. Yeah, absolutely. And I just uh, a quick intro to you, Gabs, to everybody who's hearing us right now. Gabs is one of the Brazil's largest content creators. He has been an instructor at Allura, which is one of our biggest platforms for developers who are trying to break into the field and learn more about uh, everything possibly that you can imagine. And he has a big authority in developer space here in Brazil as well. And having the podcast called Hola Gabs, which translates to Hello Gabs, which has been one of the Brazil's most popular podcasts for a while now. So I, I was hoping also, Gabs, that you could give us some tips into people who are trying to break into content creation and what have you learned doing your podcast, doing your interviews and, and just um, in your time as a developer advocate. I would say that a lot of people don't start their content projects, be it a podcast, a, a blog, or, or, or whatever, for many different reasons. But there are some that I see uh, kind of a pattern. Uh, I think, first of all, is like, do I have enough equipment? Do I have the right camera? Do I have the right microphone? And this is something that sometimes people overthink and never start because they think that they need to have special equipment to start, and they don't. Uh, the the best equipment to start is the one you have now. Um, because the, the second point that make people don't start is that um, they think that they are going to start and somehow um, be an instant success or, or, or have a lot of followers, a lot of people commenting, a lot of people giving feedback. And most times the first, I don't know, 10, 20 episodes or, or articles or whatever you were doing are not the ones that are going to be a success. Um, of course, it, there are cases, there, there some, sometimes it, that makes sense. But for most people, when you are starting out, nobody knows who you are. And it's part of the process to put content out and until people actually realize who you are, understand what you're doing, because for most time we are scrolling through social media and we have like infinite content and you are one more person in that infinite scrolling content machine. And as I said, when you're starting, nobody knows who you are and it's part of the process to be known. And, and, and the third thing uh, is that, um, it, what is very important in the beginning, and I mean, not only in the beginning, I guess forever, uh, when we talk about creation, is that you have to keep a uh, frequency of what you, you are creating. Um, the best thing you can do consistency, to right? Grow, yeah, consistency, yeah. To grow an audience, to, to become known, is have consistency. I said frequency. Frequency is not right, right? Eh? Uh, so consistency is like one of the things that are key to have some sort of success, let's say. Um, and for that, you must not care about what people are thinking about you, nor uh, if you have the best equipment, because if you wait for uh, the best, to have the best equipment, you're not going to start. I absolutely love this. And we've told also here a bunch of times this same thing as well. 
Guys, just get started. It's probably not going to blow up in the first few few tries, and you're going to need to practice. I think everything that um, we we do, we need practice. Especially content creators, no different. It takes a lot of mistakes for you to actually be able to figure it out what you want to do and how to do it properly. So just start out, make some mistakes. If you if you see that's something that you want to keep doing, if you see that's something that's taking a little bit of traction, maybe you got like ten followers and nobody knew about you beforehand and, and now you can start thinking hey maybe this is working maybe i can invest a little it's bit gonna more be into cringe it. it's gonna be weird and the yeah. start so yeah. we spoke about being cringe over the when was it in the last phase but yeah one, one thing that i always love to think about is even the 10 follow 10 subscribe already fills up a room with people yeah. that are there to hear you and to learn more about what you have to share and to learn from you so if you have a hundred followers that already fills up, let's say a big lecture room or a university room of people that are there for the same reasons. And the more you grow and the more you get followers and traction and actually uh, get better and better on creating that content, you will keep growing and have a bigger audience of people who both are super excited to learn from you, to see you, and also to be, let's say, big advocates or DevRel's representing your channel to the, the folks that yeah. they really want to share uh, that content to you. So I love that. Yeah. And I think that makes total sense. Yeah. And, and I would add that um, you should, at, at least in the beginning, but I would say for, for most time, at least for me, um, is forget about the numbers. Um, views, likes, followers, obviously, are important to track success over time but when you are creating content gaining views and likes is shouldn't be the goal at least um uh, for me it should be the impact that you are you are causing on the person that is consuming that content be it one people or ten people um do something that will actually uh, make some someone's day better or life or career and having a true impact through what you were sharing there because uh, for most times uh, we have this uh, thing where we compare to big influencers influencers and creators and and somehow we feel that real um real influence is when you have a million followers and you are i don't know mr beast or something like that but it's oh, you have an impact but um that shouldn't be the goal i think when you are starting and if you, as I said, if you can, for, for most of your time as a creator, you should focus, in my opinion, on quality content and, and delivering really uh, uh, things that will really impact people's lives. And over time, you'll grow. Uh, at least in my experience, when you're positive and you're trying to make a really uh, good content, uh, you'll grow. I completely agree with you. And you mentioned that for a while, um, you actually w was working at you were working with marketing, leading a marketing team. Is that right? Yeah. Before your DevRel yeah, yeah. job. Can you tell us a little bit more into how you found that job and how you, how you got into that company? Yeah, so um, it was at the same company. It was at, at Aluda. Um, I joined Aluda in uh, 2014. And uh, as I said, I, I joined there as, as an instructor, as a, as a, uh, I teach a top programming, uh, mostly .NET. Java, some Angular, and a little bit of front end. And um, like 
I think a year and a half uh, uh, in this role, after a year and a half in this in this role, I started my blog. I always wanted to have uh, a blog, and I started writing. And then I I wanted to have a blog for a long time. And when I finally uh, decided to create it, I got really excited about writing, and I started writing. I think in the first two to three months, uh, on a daily basis, I would write something and, and share on my blog. And this content was mostly things I was studying, experiences I had, my opinions on uh, specific topics. And so I, I kept this uh, a very uh, um, a consistent schedule of posting. And eventually people started paying attention. And, and outside of the company and inside as well. My boss at the time when realized and when he realized what I was doing, he said, Hey, good job. It's cool that you're doing that writing. Maybe, I don't know, I'm not sure, but maybe you could do this here too inside the company because at the time Aluda was a really small company. Uh, right now it's like more than a thousand employees, but at the time it was small. And, and then I started um, doing this for them uh, as well, uh, writing on the blog. Uh, I was responsible for uh, taking care of uh, the company's social media and then of the newsletters. And then I stopped being an instructor and was full-time uh, um, creating content and taking care of social media, newsletters, and other initiatives. And as I said, it was very, we were still very small. Uh, we had no marketing thing. And then I was promoted uh, uh, to, to like a marketing manager, let's say. And I hired two then, and then three people to work with me with video editing and with uh, writing and, and, and other stuff. And for a while, I was this marketing manager. But as I said in, in the beginning of our conversation, I was like, Okay, so I'm not a developer slash instructor anymore. Now I'm a marketer, so I should study marketing stuff. So I, I you know, went to study maybe marketing techniques and everything related to SEO and this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, for a while I was like, okay, I'm a marketer. I'm going to work with marketing, and I stopped going to tech events and stopped reading uh, uh, about tech. Uh, on a daily basis as I used to do and but at the same time that it was uh, cool uh, as I told you uh, I think just like when I was a developer something was not right something was like you know I'm not a marketer it just doesn't make sense you know something was 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 kind of weird that that's when I found, found out about Devrop. Uh I think like a year and a half two years in this role I was like I'm not sure if this is what I want and then I found out about DevRel. And uh, what I did when I found out about it was I slowly made a change inside the company to step down as a manager and and someone else uh, uh, got this position. And I, I kept, uh, I, I was still in the marketing team, but I went back to teaching a little bit and got more and more involved in what I considered uh, dev role work. So writing again for tech uh, for a tech blog, organizing events, being the host of uh, live shows and going to events and all things related to DevRel. I, say. I, I, I was host of um, three different podcasts there. And uh, I don't know how many events I organized, but I did like a lot of, of, of 
organization and 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 I also attended uh, I don't know uncountable events during this this time. So basically, that's my my story there. Yeah, I completely love it. And how did you find your DevRel job? How how did you get in? So after I uh, stepped down as this um, um, marketer marketing manager and and started working again teaching and doing devrel work um we didn't have like a, a, some sort of devrel uh, role inside the company and but i realized that what i was doing so i spoke to you actually knew and, it was literally like developer relations you knew the term and everything like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then i and i and i had a conversation with my manager one day and i said i think what I'm doing here is something like uh, uh, a developer evangelist or a developer advocate would do in in these companies. And then I, I sent her some some examples. I say, yeah, that makes sense. I think that's that's what you are. That's what you do. Then I started <laughs> telling telling myself and and updating my LinkedIn to to a developer advocate uh, 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 role. So after eight years there, and I think four and something in this in this role, I was a bit. Um, um, I wanted to change. I wanted to do something different. Um, I realized that I, I had already accomplished a lot in there. And I started looking for a different thing um, in a different company to work with DevRel in a, in, a, in a different space with a company that had a dev product or something like that. And one day I stumbled upon a post of a Brazilian developer on LinkedIn. And he was talking about how the company that he worked uh, was cool and that they were developing developing this very interesting product and that they hired a lot of Brazilians there. And then I approached him. He was from the HR team. And uh, I approached him and I said, hey, man, let's have a chat. Uh, at the time, I, I wanted to propose to him, um, let's do some sort of partnership with my channel. Let's create some Let's co-create some content together. I had this, uh, I had, I still have this YouTube channel where I interview people from from different companies, and I said, hey, maybe we could do something together. And he said, yeah, maybe, but maybe we could, you could come and work with us here at, at Alvin, this this startup. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure. I, to be completely honest, I at that point I didn't understand fully what they were doing. But I said, give me a few days. Let me understand what you guys are doing. Send some links, and then I'll I'll I'll, I'll think about uh, and we can chat. And so I read a lot about the company. I read a, a lot about what they're doing. Watched a lecture from one of their developers, where he um, explained their product, which was a product for data professionals based on this concept called data lineage. And then I told him, okay. It looks interesting. Maybe I want to work there with you guys. And he said, okay, the problem is we don't have a role uh, open right now. We don't have this position, but you can talk to, to our founders and I don't know, let's see how it goes. So I spoke to the founders. I told them um, what I did. Before talking to them, I prepared a slide presentation uh, uh, to, to talk about me and explain uh, my work as a DevRel professional, what I have done already and what I could do there and kind of convince them uh, of um, hiring me but uh, before that they said okay looks cool you're you're an interesting guy but 
At the time, I didn't have much content in English. So they said, right, let's, before uh, thinking about uh, uh, you come working full time with us, why don't you, why don't we work together on some content? And then we recorded a video together. I wrote a blog post uh, for them for about their, their, their solution, their, their software. And this, I think this whole process uh, lasted something like three months. And at the end, uh, after the, during all this this time, we spoke a lot, like on a daily basis, we spoke a lot about how we could work together and what were the company priorities. And I like got the initiative of messaging and talking to almost everyone from the company. It was small at the time; it was like eight people, I guess, eight nine people, I guess. Um, and spoke to everyone, talking about what were the work and. I was really, really interested in, in that opportunity. And then at the end of this, this time, they, uh, they, they sent me an offer and I accepted. Like a month after this, I went to Estonia, to Tallinn uh, for the first time to do my onboarding, get my computer and meet the team or a part of it. At least. I love that. I told you this in, a, in one of our private conversations, but Tallinn is actually one of my favorite cities in Eastern Europe. And I wanted to ask you, like, when joining the team, I know that there was a guy there that you could communicate with, but when talking to the founders and talking to the overall team, did you have any difficulties in terms of uh, communicating with them? Were you the only person working remotely? How was that for you? Because you are in a very different time zone than Estonian's time zone. I think it's like seven hour difference, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I think one thing is doing an interview, right? One thing is to turn the camera remotely and, and talk to people. And another thing is to work full time in English and, and with people from a lot of different places. And the time that I joined, um, I think we had 10 people, I guess, and then the team grew very fast and we had like half of the company were Brazilians. This was good. And, uh, but the other half uh, were like people from India, Croatia, Spain, Italy, and uh, there were others, uh, Turkey. And um, the first time I went to, to Estonia, was should do my onboarding uh, uh, people there. I remember going to the office for the first time and having to speak speak English um, a full day. It was really um, first was como fala cansativo. Tiring. Yeah, it was very tiring mentally. Yeah. And uh, I remember leaving the office in the first day and and thinking, like, what have I done? Am I going to handle this? Am I going to, to like, be able to do, to perform this work the way that these people were expecting me to? I was really, really scared on the first day, I remember. And as I said, one thing is to do interviews and another is to work full-time in English. Sometimes I remember feeling like, um, like I couldn't express myself the way I wanted because uh, I, 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 I understand what I had to say. I was 
sentence. I, I had the vocabulary too, but it didn't seem like the same as if I was speaking in, in Portuguese. And as I say, it was it was in, in the beginning. I, I doubt myself. I I had a lot of questions if I had made the right choice. But after like two three weeks of this, I was good. I was better. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh, d dealing with different accents. It's really hard sometimes. But I realized uh, after a, a while there also uh, this was a good thing that uh, nobody cared about my accent. Nobody cared about the way I, I pronounced words and the what I had to do was to make people understand me and that gave me a lot more confidence too. That's so awesome. I love that. And yeah. I think that's one of my favorite facts about uh, being in Europe and working with European people because there are just so many different accents and the common language that unites us all in there, at least it's English. So everyone comes from a different background. Everyone communicates very differently. And for me, living in Europe and, and collaborating with a few startups, the, the hardest fact was that people have very different cultures and very different ways of communicating things. So for us, well, something may seem, for us as Brazilians specifically, why well, something may seem very cold and kind of like, oh my God, this person sounds so rude. For them, it's like, I'm good. How, how's everything going? So that's interesting. And I definitely love seeing that you had the same perspective in there as I did as well. So I definitely wanted to hear a little bit of fun facts of your time in Estonia as well. Like how many times did you get to go there? Did you have any favorite parts of town? Uh, was the culture very hard and interesting for you? How was all that circulating in your mind as you were also navigating a new job and in diving into a new culture as well. So I think that um, as as Brazilians, we we have a lot of things that we have to worry um, living in, 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 Brazilian, in Brazil. And I think in South America in general, that people that live in Estonia and other countries in Europe do not have. Um, I think uh, the first time I went there, I think one of the things that, I wouldn't say surprised me because that was not a surprise, but that was a very different feeling was to be able to walk on the streets at any given time of the day or at night and not caring about anything. Uh, and and that's what, that was a feeling that I was not used to. Um, I went to Spain once and to uh, in the past, but it, it was different. Estonia is, is, is very different in, in, this, in this manner. And um, the other thing that was different when I went there uh, is that I went in the summer, so I went uh, in May, I guess, or April, I don't know, I think April, and, and then in July of 2022. And uh, it was summer, and so there, there's a lot more sun um, than, than the usual. Um, the sunset is like, I don't know, 10, 11 p.m. It's like this very late time and um together with the jet lag this kind of messed up my sleeping schedule um i stayed there for two and a half weeks the first time i i went and i remember not being able not being able to sleep uh until 5 a.m in the first week because i was like really really messed up and uh 
But at the same time, it was really uh, cool to walk on the streets and having sun until so late. I didn't have this like urgency to go back to the hotel, you know, when you're like, okay, it's getting late, it's getting dark. No, it didn't have, it was like 10, 8, 10 p.m. And, and, and sun, the sunshine is, is, at the same time, it's weird, but it's so cool. <laughs> I really love that. But um, it's the opposite. Uh, on on most of the time there, right? So uh, I just went in the summer. I went in April, as I said, and then in July, and then again in July of 2023. And I think that one, th two things uh, about working with with Europeans that um, I thought was very different. Uh, one is that people um, usually I, I wouldn't say that they work less. But the rhythm of the work is different. I was expecting, um, uh, when I left to work at a startup, I was expecting something very, you know, crazy and, and lots of work and working lots of hours and this kind of stuff. And I did work a good amount of time, but it was not something, you know, inhuman. It was not something that, actually, uh, the, the period of time that I stayed in, in Tallinn, people would arrive at the office at like 10, 11 a.m. and seven people already left i love so, europe yeah and so it was a really different uh, um really different way of working than i was used to but uh, one thing that i realized as well is that uh when people were in the office they were really working there was no you know chit chat in the coffee and people wouldn't you know tell jokes or or be watching videos and you know it's kind of thing oh, come here, let's watch this video together. You know, it was very different. It was very focused work and living early. And it was it was, it was a, a very different shift for me, but it was really cool with this as well. I really enjoyed this one. Awesome. Now that we know a little bit more about that side of the story, I want to get back and ask you a few tips from you if you can share uh, for developers or any aspiring DevRels to, into learning how to actually speak in public and how to actually be a little bit more outgoing, maybe going to conferences, networking with people, and actually presenting ideas to, let's say, a group of people as well. I, I would say to start small and try to start in places where you are already kind of comfortable because I think that there are obviously courses and, and other resources that you can learn about how to speak in public. There are techniques to, um, to, to make people pay attention to you. But I think that um, fear of stage um, and, and confidence in speaking in public is something that will come with time and you have to throw yourself at it and and do it because that's how you're going to get I, I know I, I wish I could have a better answer a better advice on this but I think that um this is the, the best the advice in my opinion this is just <laughs> start with so, what you know start small yeah start small starting in local communities in places where you already know the people or if you don't choose a community choose a space where you identify with the people that are there be uh, a community that talks about uh, a programming language or a specific product or, or, or open source and try to first know people there and to know people there you have to talk to people don't be afraid of talking to people don't be afraid of 
messaging people or saying hi, asking uh, questions and this kind of stuff. And uh, the worst thing that happens is the person not responding, not, not you, and it's because they're busy with the other stuff and it happens. But I, I, I would say do it because that's how you're going to meet people and that's how you're going to make meaningful connections that eventually will help you, will teach you, will give you advice on how to speak, will help you on maybe your first uh, lectures, your first talks and in, in, in conferences. And usually in communities, uh, people that are there, they are usually open and and helpful. They Obviously, there are communities where people are, are, are a-holes, but uh, for the most time, uh, people that are in communities, they want to help, they want to share. This, I think this is one of the greatest things that we have in the tech industry. There's like a lot of bad and far from being perfect in the field, but um, the communities and, and people there are things that we should value. And, you know, go there and make some friends, uh, get involved in projects and eventually when you when you realize you're going to be on the stage and organizing and and being the person in front of an audience i completely love this and uh i totally agree i think community is all about finding that right core of people who can really support you who can really be there for you that you can interact and network with and finding that uh place it can be in person can be online but that you can truly like learn from people there interact with them and share what you know try to help them out as well this is the best beginning um to just get into content creation getting to developer relations as well and um just trying to you know make an impact in the field and just meeting people i love networking i could talk about it all day um all right i think this is mostly what we wanted to say for today's discussion, um, there is any last thoughts, any last questions from you, Danny? I'd say it has been a pleasure to learn from you, learn a little bit more about your background and get those valuable tips coming from you. So thank you for sharing that. I think the, the thought that you shared about just get started in content creation, get started in public speaking, those are definitely key tips for people not only want to build a personal brand as a developer, but also who, those who aspire to be developer relations professionals and really want a path and want, like, let's say, to get enlightened, to get started in this path. So I love learning from you and thank you for sharing your story with us, Gaps. Sure, girls, thank you for having me. And few that are listening or, or watching this want to chat, want some sort of advice, you can contact me through my social media channels. I think we're going to have links here right so yeah feel free to message me to chat about whatever you want amazing thank you so much it's been a great episode thank you for everybody who tuned into this one and see you everyone on the next episode thank you so much gabs bye bye thank you bye bye guys